This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Cajun Strong Style Pod. Hopefully you're enjoying what we've been throwing out there the last few weeks. And instead of starting to talk about, you know, some of the stuff that's going on right now in the world of pro wrestling, and trust me, there's a lot of stuff going on that I might not get to in this podcast, but I'll definitely get into some more of that next week. I want to start off by kind of reminiscing a little bit because I, I want to get into a conversation with an old friend, with a friend of mine who works here at Delta Media. And we were talking about how, like, the one of the shows at on Raw that was at the Cage Dome. And if you want to see it, I, I think one day I'll do a little review of it because it is just so damn fun. And I've got stories about that one for days. But I was listening to somebody on a podcast talk about the night when Kane in 2003 electrocuted Shane's testicles. And that was one of the craziest segments I've seen live. And it was about like 13, 14 years old. And we wound up talking about that. And then I just remembered something. And it blew my mind that I remembered this. So this was on Labor Day weekend, that show on Monday Night Raw at the Cajun Dome back in 03. And it made me remember by the fact that there was an all-access wrestling show. This is like an independent promotion started. If you're from Louisiana, especially from the Acadian area, you know about all-access wrestling and what it wound up doing with guys like AJ Styles, Elix Skipper, a lot of like NWA TNA guys and a handful of independent dudes. And it was an awesome event every time they came to the Robot Show Center. And this was like 2002 to 2003. I think it lasted maybe like one more year. But I wound up going to the first, second, and then this show was the only ones that I wound up going to. And I remember this because it was AJ Styles versus Elix Skipper, a two out of three falls match. And it was such a nuts, like, match itself because it was AJ like very much early TNA days primetime Elix Skipper who I feel like is probably one of my most underrated wrestlers bottom line those two crushed it and I like the way they did the two out of three falls match was something I hadn't necessarily seen before in terms of the book so instead of it being like all one match you have towards the beginning of the show the first fall and then the second fall is actually going to be in the middle of the show before an intermission and then your main event is going was the third fall. It made a lot of sense, and you know it definitely the pacing wise was really really cool. And you know, obviously, when you're not thinking about the world of like the way things are in terms of being predetermined and whatnot, you're not thinking about oh hey like the whole storyline of it. you're just thinking oh hey you get to see three really good matches with two really great competitors. And then I believe Jazz showed up at the Robo Show Center. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost certain she was there. I actually pubbed up the Raw that Monday. So it was a while to think that you had an independent show on Saturday and then a Raw that Monday, and they all kind of almost collided in a sense because Jazz, who is married to Rodney Mack and has kids with him, it's really cool that I was actually able to see that thing live and also see the Monday Night Raw that week. It was just nuts to kind of think about this, and I started to reminisce about those Show Center days because they had so many like really solid shows. Like the first show was built around a tournament, determined the first all access wrestling champion, and the winner of that wound up being the late great Malice, who was um, formerly the Wall in the WCW towards the tail end of that. If you remember Berlin and then the Wall, 
if you remember that, you definitely were a late WCW fan, just like I was. I was a big mark for it. So, And I was also a big mark for different things that maybe haven't necessarily aged well. I'll just say that. Because if you remember back in the day when you used to watch WWE programming, they'd have bikini contests every now and again, especially during the summertime. So I remembered this story as I was talking to my good friend, and I mentioned the fact that you know back then they had what I believe to be Hooters girls. I have no idea to, to prove that or not. This is 17 years ago. But anyway, so I wound up kind of thinking about this, and it was so much fun, just the events they had back in the day. And they had Hooters girls there to rile up the crowd and hand out free T-shirts. I actually have a free T-shirt still to this day for All Access Wrestling that AJ Styles signed. Now the signature has since faded. You can't see it at all, but it's really one of my favorite like T-shirts. Period. I've all, I, I still have worn it like from time to time, even in like 2020. I can still fit in it, which is mind blowing in and of itself. But I wound up thinking about this one show they did. This was the second show that he did, which actually had a really good AJ Styles match after the intermission. That's when I met him, and it was such a cool moment. I'll probably talk about that one day, about that full experience. But the show that they had, they were going to do a bikini contest. I think this might have been coming out of intermission. So they come out of intermission, and you have all the like three or four girls out there, and they're about to get ready to show, show their stuff, if you will. Then Sassy Vegas comes out. And if you remember Sassy Vegas, especially if you're a fan of of wrestling in the South in like the late 90s, early 2000s. You know who Sassy Vegas is. In fact, I was watching one of his matches from like 2014, and he definitely still does the same exact gimmick, but it works. And it comes out, and it basically does not happen. It does not happen. And every person in that building, and if memory serves, I was in the second row of that show, I'd probably say about 90% of that fan base was male and was not happy. And, you know, mind you, I don't know what those, I can't I can't remember exactly what all those women look like, but there was something to be said about the fact that Sassy Vegas drew so much heat because of the fact that he stopped a bikini contest from happening and started singing Enrique Iglesias' Hero really shows how many, how much people were absolutely furious. And me, I mean, 13-year-old me, who was still a mark and didn't know a whole lot of the knew some of the ins and outs, knew it was predetermined, but still had a lot of fun watching the programs as they happened. And when things were like really frustrating to me, I got mad. And this was one of those prime examples where I was absolutely furious that you know he ruined the segment, and I yelled at him. I was heckling him. Like people were chanting, "Hit the bricks!" so loud that crowd was so like angry at him. The nuclear heat. That a guy like that could get over is absolutely amazing. And he would always be singing, you know, you are you you are so beautiful to me, but it'd be about him. And then also Enrique Iglesias is his hero. Like I can just remember that stuff. And it's so crazy how like your first few shows that you go to, because one day I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna actually do a review one day of the WCW Thunder episode at the Cajun Dome, the double taping that they did, which was my first ever wrestling event. They did like Four hours of taping on one night, and it was so much fun. I was up in the nosebleeds. I can remember a handful of different things. Some of it I couldn't. I wound up rewatching it a few years ago, but I want to rewatch those again just to get more of an idea of what happened throughout that card. And because you have to remember, WCW Thunder in like 2000 was an absolute mess. 
I can remember you had the West Texas Rednecks perform rap as crap, and that was really wild to see. And then also you had the No Limit Soldiers like on Nitro the Monday night, and they got over like Rover because, well, it's in New Orleans. Just all that alone in my head is amazing. But I'm going to wind up probably just going through a bunch of episodes down the road of Raw and Thunder, all the different like event Monday night shows that I've been to in the past because I've got a lot of like memories of those shows. I want to also look at back at those and see if they held up or not compared to what we see with the WWE in 2020 because I think that's definitely been a big complaint for a lot of people is the fact that the WWE hasn't necessarily been able to put together a compelling product on a regular basis because of the fact that they've been very much kind of hogtied into doing you know the same old same old. It doesn't necessarily work that way anymore. You can't necessarily can't pull off some of the angles that they've done in the past, you know. And I think they're doing a solid job in the midst of a pandemic. But I will never forget the old days when I'd see guys like a heel, sassy Vegas, and just immediately boo the hell out of him because he was truly a legitimate heel that you absolutely hated and you would absolutely love to see him get his ass handed to him. That's what a heel is. It's not like a Baron Corbin where I am tired of seeing you on my television. Please go away, not for a month or six months, but go away forever, something like that. I love a guy like a Sassy Vegas as a heel versus a Baron Corbin because he, in terms of Sassy Vegas, gets over because of the fact that we hate him. Baron Corbin doesn't get over because we're tired of seeing him continually get over when he doesn't need to be getting over against every single WWE superstar that we see, every single face, and be involved in these main event pictures. He doesn't need to be the center of attention, at least from my point of view. All right, you're listening to the Caden Strong Style Podcast. We appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcast service you're listening from. And trust me, we're going to finally get to some actual wrestling that happened over the last week. And the one thing I mainly want to touch on is talking shop a mania over the weekend. It was possibly the greatest bad thing that's happened in wrestling ever. So why why am I saying it that way? I immediately thought about one thing and one thing only when it came to talking shop a mania. I didn't knew this heading into it because it's Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and they love to have fun with the business. It's not necessarily exposing the business. It's having a lot of fun with the fact that pro wrestling is predetermined. It's not real, all that stuff. It's all about having fun with the angles that they have. And it was entertaining as all get out. There were so many funny insider moments. It was meta. It was very much BTE, but amped up to 11 and also a little Mystery Science Theater 3000 and a lot of other stuff that I loved. I'll get to the Boner Yard match in a little bit. Don't you worry, folks. I'll get to that. But a couple other notes that I had. I absolutely loved how they had the Yeti. You had Paul Lee, who was not, you know, Paul Lee Dangerously. If you've ever seen Paul Lee wrestle, especially if you're, again, a fan of the Southern independent wrestling scene, you know who that guy is, and he's an absolute joke. And I gotta say, seeing him in there was absolutely hilarious. And my buddy was texting me about this, and I absolutely was blown away by the fact that they had so much fun with everything. They they brought in people I just did not expect at all when I was watching it the next day because I wasn't watching it live because there was so much 
other sports going on. I wanted to devote some time Sunday morning to watch Talking Shopamania, and I'm so glad I did. Some because of the fact that we got to see one of the coolest things ever. We have to see, you know, Teddy Long out there saying, I'm here to get mother bleep and paid. Now back up six feet. Absolutely outstanding. The, the delivery of that was absolutely perfect. I can tell you that was one of my favorite moments from Talking Shopamania outside of the Boner Yard match. Then they also had Rory Fox show up. That was something I did not see coming at all. And all of a sudden, I just see this guy walking into the ring, and I immediately think, is this The Rocket, which is another independent wrestler from the state of Louisiana? And I am just wondering, what the hell is this guy doing out here? Then he explains his backstory, and I am laughing my head off because then I remember this is the guy whose like, trunks basically ripped open during a match with Zack Ryder. I believe that was during the finish back in the WWE ECW, the tail end of that, which I remember seeing live what had happened and laughing like like it was egregious amount of laughter from that match. It's still one of my favorites. I remember, I think I remember putting it on a Twitter. In fact, I'm a sack rider was what I want to hashtagging or whatever, but it was just one of my favorite, you know, WWE ECW moments from like that last year, which wasn't like as horrible as people may paint it as because it felt like, you know, for the most part, 2009 was a really bad year for ECW in the WWE brand, but it had like some really underrated moments, like Tommy Dreamer winning the ECW title, Christian returning to WWE through the ECW brand. A lot of other things happen in there that are really, really fun, and I can talk about those for a long time, but I'm not going to because this is more about talking shop mania. And that was fun. Then all of a sudden, the Swaggo Donut thing absolutely killed me because, after all, you saw Zack Ryder debut on AEW the night before on Wednesday night. Then he then this happens on Saturday. I cannot stop laughing at all the stuff they were doing in this. The finish with Kurt Hawkins now Brian Myers showing up and throwing the Swaggo Donut into him, and they do a camera cut to make it seem like basically. He's using all the strength to do it, and it was just the worst camera cut of all time. But it was hilarious because it was intentionally bad. You know, if you took yourself out of it, and I know Jim Cornette's probably out there blowing a gasket watching Talking Shopamania because he knows this is very much exposing the business a little bit and also just being that outlaw mud wrestling BS like he likes to call it. But I loved it for a lot of different reasons, and this was one of them because they actually had fun and steered it to the skid and then came the Boner Yard match. I'm not even talking about the Enzo Amore promo, which was hilarious. But I think the fact he had the Boner Yard match had so many Easter eggs, I popped at about half of them. I wound up just pulling up my notes like as I was watching the match, just writing different things because there was so much crap to get to from this. You had, I can tell you right now, it was hilarious. The fact that they had Honkins Talk Man, they had the Pelvis Wesley gimmick, that was awesome, but it was also like the way they did, the way they booked the whole match was amazing <laughs> because yeah, you know I, I I just oh my god it's so good like Air Paris shows up Air Paris a guy who hasn't necessarily been in the center spotlight of pro wrestling for a long time I cannot stop laughing at the fact they booked Air Paris for this show and then there was a line there. Ever since I got fired from New York, I forgot how to work. And Chad is basically being too snug in the match was hilarious. Sex Ferguson with AJ's arm 
had me rolling when Maria showed up. And Maria's like, I have two babies. What am I even doing here? Was hilarious. But the best part of it all was Rock and Roll Express <laughs> showing up with the gimmick table and just standing there, like, basically showing there, be like, hey, the Rock and Roll Express is going to show up. And then they're like, oh, hey, we're, we're busy, guys. We're going to go ahead and, you know, go ahead and hang out at the gimmick table. And they actually had a gimmick table. And then Enzo shows up. He's like, hey, buddy. He's like, I just want an autograph, man. It's like, you know, we usually, we usually charge $10, but for you, we'll do 20 And it could not, I was loving it. And then you had Johnny Swinger. One of my favorite gimmicks in, like, wrestling right now is Johnny Swinger. Because it's so damn good. Like, he basically is the old, like, like 80s guy wearing the Zubas pants. It just works so well in 2020. Johnny Swinger absolutely found gold mine. And then the whole thing with, the, with Chad, too bad throwing the, like, winding up his punch, and then goes for a kick. I could not stop laughing at that. And then the, the flashback was probably the best part of all this because you have, like, the Young Bucks and Lou Gallows and Anderson basically, hypothetically, trying to eke a deal with AEW. And then they basically say, you know, hypothetically there's some kind of global pandemic. And I could not stop laughing. Not because of the fact they brought up the fact of global pandemic, but made it seem obvious that this was taped a few days before, but made it to where you could actually laugh at the fact that they wound up not signing with AEW because they explained a lot of that in the Countdown to Bleep Town podcast. I'm not going to say the word because I'm trying not to cuss on this podcast, but I loved it because it's the room of wrestling shows. This was bad on purpose. But it was hilarious because it was so bad. A lot like maybe the Rocky Horror Picture Show for those who are a little bit older. This was hands down one of the best things to come out of the pandemic. And I loved everything about it. The only downside of it was I had to hear the damn Good Brothers theme song. It is the worst theme song of the modern era. And that's saying something because there's some really bad ones. This one's just bad because it's in your head and you can't get it out. The devil in your six. I can't stand the damn theme song. It needs to go away. I, I just could not necessarily get into it. It was just an overall fantastic show. The Chava Guerrero thing with Chico, who <laughs> was Rocky, turns out. I did not realize that. Chico, you're on the gas, man. I could, like, the fact you had Chava putting on that like thick accent was funny as hell to me. And then they just want to, like, just. Riffin on the 24-7 title. Dave Penzer doing ring announcing was great. And the best part was they had like a contract on a tree match. And they're like, the winner of the match, oh, who gives a censor for radio and censor for podcasting? I cannot wait to see what happens. Again, this was the room of wrestling shows. Bad on purpose, but it was hilarious. I cannot wait to see what happens with Talking Shop Mania 2. Welcome back to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast right here at 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. And I've got another thing to bring up. This is more non-wrestling related. It's kind of, sort of, because it has something to do with a wrestler buying a company that used to be owned by Vincent Kenny McMahon. Yep, you heard it right. The Rock actually has an ownership stake in the XFL. They bought the XFL for $15 million. 
I am absolutely over the moon at the fact that they actually went ahead and did it. The Mad Lads actually pulled off in 2020 getting the XFL back in our lives. I am all the way here for it, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the XFL if it comes back, because I think that's the most important question of all this. Will The Rock bring it back in full, or will he basically be trying to use this to basically get the naming rights to where he could probably use that for ballers as part of 7 Bucks Productions? But the XFL got saved from bankruptcy by, of all people, the people's champ, his ex-wife, who he still works with, which, for the record, is really cool and a really boss move from him, because his business partner, Danny Garcia, used to be married and has kids. And by the way, she's about as jacked as he is, and it's really weird to see. But Redbird Capital is actually part of this as well, purchasing the XFL for $15 million, and The Rock said in a statement that the acquisition of the XFL with my talented partners is an investment for me that's rooted deeply in two things, my passion for the game and my desire to always take care of the fans. And he also went on to say, with pride and gratitude for all that I've built with my own two hands, I plan to apply these calluses to the XFL and look forward to creating something special for the players, fans, and everyone involved for the love of football. And I love how you put for the love of football because that was the XFL's kind of calling card for a while. And I love the fact that we have the XFL all but back. Now, if it's going to come back in 2021, is anybody's guess. I think there's a lot of different questions concerning are the same teams going to come back or are they going to wait another year to make sure they're ready in 2022? Because I've continued to say it. The XFL had every chance to succeed if not for a global pandemic telling you, hey, the XFL can't happen anymore. That's the only reason why the XFL truly failed is the fact that they did not have the expectation of a global pandemic to hit on the same day or around the same time frame as the XFL's reboot. Nobody saw that coming, and the X, and Vince McMahon basically was like, you know what, I'm closing up shop, and one of his buddies, the people's champ, says he's going to go ahead and buy out the XFL for a cool $15 million. Oliver Luck probably wanting a job back over there before long, especially working alongside Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia and also you know, working with Redbird Capital. The fact that there's going to be money invested into this is absolutely huge. Now, it just all depends on when we're going to see the XFL make its triumphant return, if it's going to have the same elements. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it's going to have a good chunk of it dedicated towards the sport of football, not as much pro wrestling like the first iteration was. I think that's going to be the biggest thing when it comes to the world of the XFL. And one more note before we kind of get out of here on this edition of the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, and that is concerning AEW Dynamite because there are some changes brewing because the NBA playoffs are going on, NBA seeding schedule, I should say, the playoffs are going to be starting before long. So there's going to be a lot of changes starting on August the 17th. This actually came out actually the week of August 17th, I should say, because the TNT put out a press release talking about the programming alert for the week of August 17th. Due to the NBA schedule, Dynamite will make the following shifts on TNT. So if you're DVRing it, you might want to try and reschedule how you're going to put this all together. But the August 19th episode is actually going to be airing on a Saturday, August 22nd at 5 o'clock 
Central Time. It's 6 o'clock Eastern Time. And then you also have on the Wednesday, August 26th episode, that is going to be going down on Thursday, August 27th, 7 o'clock Central Time. And then you have December, September 16th episode just gets pushed back a day to Thursday night at 7 o'clock, again, Central Time. I love this idea, and it reminds me so much. And then also the fact that you got a pandemic and they're taping these episodes already. This is awesome because of the fact that it reminds me so much of what the good old days were. Like, you remember at least once or twice a year, the WWE would get preempted. Be it the Westminster Dog Show, or I believe they wound up getting preempted for a few years Due to the U.S. Open going on, I believe they would they would preempt that or vice versa. Basically, the U.S. Open would move from USA to CNBC or something. I remember that they maybe got preempted one more one other time of the year, like the mid two thousands. But it was always the Westminster Dog Show always bumped Monday Night Raw, and it would go to CNBC or Sci Fi or what have you. They, they'd figure out a way to make sure you get your Monday Night Raw. But maybe it'll be on a different station to make sure that the Westminster Dog Show and those those big dogs are out there eating. And I, li- I like the idea that they're doing this. And the fact that I think the fact you have NBA on TNT on a regular basis now because the NBA is back, that's huge for AEW's future because of the fact you'll have all those live reads that, a- that AEW is going to have, the commercials. You know they're going to want to promote the hell out of this. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen involving TNT and AEW Dynamite over those few weeks to see if those ratings do change, if there's a significant spike. And also, I'm sure NXT is looking forward to it because they'll have a few weeks where they don't have to deal with AEW taking away a lot of their ratings. Because trust me, I'll love the fact because I'll be able to enjoy Dynamite Live. No problems. Because I think that's one of the big things for me. I'm more of a... DVR watcher now versus what I was probably three, four years ago. I'm a lot more of a I'll watch it later type guy. I'll watch it later. I'll I'll DVR it. I'll record it. I'll do all those things and watch it at a later date because I just have a little bit of a different schedule. I'm usually working late nights. I'm usually busy doing these other things. And some nights I'm still here when Dynamite goes live. I'm not wanting to start late. I also want to see what's going on with NXT and also with sports coming back. It's kind of hard to balance all that. So I usually try and watch on the weekends. I'll binge watch Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and sometimes I'll want to put in together a notebook of different things. This week was a little bit different because I wound up coming on on Monday expecting to talk a lot about the WWE, you know, what's going on with Talking Chopping Mania, and then lo and behold, I wound up getting a conversation about All Access Wrestling, which I think is going to be another podcast for another day. Because I've got a really cool idea that I want to like really make sure I can get to work. Because if it works, it could be single-handedly one of the coolest episodes of Cajun Strong Style of all time. Because it'll definitely be more Acadiana-oriented. I'm sure the listeners of Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game would love that on the exclusive Pro Wrestling Podcast. And that's going to do it for the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hope you leave a nice review for us. Five stars. If you're in the Tokyo Dome right now, I'd give you a lot of credit for being there, but also give us six stars if you're out there in the Tokyo Dome. More importantly, subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Play Podcast. Just search 1037 The Game. 
You better get that along with all the other great content that we got, like the Lewis Prejean podcast, the Rap Game podcast, all of our regular shows. We got so many different things that you can listen to, and we'll talk to you next time.